One Word is a production of BFAC On Air. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Back to One Word. One Word. One Word. One word. It gets one better word. and better every time. <laughs> every time. I am Dominic. I'm Jenna. I am Zoe. And I'm Chloe. And we are here to all consume you today. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Just word, like Wally. Just like Wally. Kind of. So our word <laughs> for this month was consumerism. And, I, you know, the interesting thing is it's a word we kind of just kind of throw around and take for granted. We're all consumers. You're a consumer. I'm a consumer. We're all consumers. But we really don't entirely know what it means first of all what the root of that word means and where it comes from and then what it means for what and how we're consuming everything including where we live yeah and it it was and that brought up a lot of different things and ideas um we talked about a light bulb we did talk about a light bulb i don't want to say more than that but we talked about a light bulb and let me tell you, it's so interesting. <laughs> okay, is. and just get ready to Google about this light bulb. You should to... Google it because it's like actually very cute as it far is. as light bulbs go. It, <laughs> is. it <laughs> is. You're such a cute light bulb. I just want to pinch your little filaments. You <laughs> pinch your little filaments. <laughs> Instead of cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> We also talked about advertising and marketing and how that, you know, affects consumerism, which was super interesting. We got into a lot about that kind of talking about different groups that are advertised to and how they're advertised to. It was super interesting. How, why, and how you Mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. Yeah. We also talked about two of my favorite subjects, fashion and the environment. Mm -hmm. And we kind of conjoined the two as well at the end. Yeah. And we debuted a new podcast within a podcast called (laughs) Zoe Knows Everything. Which she does. Because she does. Soon. Right? She she knows Coming out soon. (laughs) Zoe specifically knows about fire too. Oh (laughs) boy. Yes, I do. Uh, Zoe had a fire in her home. I did. Another home story from Zoe can be I've heard here. so many. <laughs> she has had many a home. They will be discussed in my new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, this, this might not be as good of a call to action as uh, what Chloe had when we did Honesty, but there's just some interesting things to, t- to think about at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I-, I would like to go back to give everyone a challenge out there. When you listen to the end of the podcast, Maybe you think before you consume from now on. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's an option. Who knows? No, definitely. You should definitely, definitely think. Yeah, please think before you <laughs> Be conscious. <laughs> Be conscious. Well, I don't think there's any reason for us to keep talking at this time. So without further ado, I just have one word for you. Consumerism. Today we are talking about consumerism. I mm-hmm. want to, I, I'm going to give the definition, but I kind of want to break it into two first. Consume yes, and ism. Okay, So consume comes directly from the Latin of consumer, uh, which means to use up, eat, mm. waste. Oh. Right? Is that strong? 
That is strong. All right. Yeah. I, I have a few more words that I found too. Can oh, you mind if I share them with you? Please do. Yeah. So wear down, exhaust, mm-hmm. devour, use up, expend, squander, Those waste. All... Like that is what that is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I know, right? Just thinking about those words, right? So if you're if you're thinking about that squandering, consume, which is the word, right? Yeah. Uh, and then ism. Mm-hmm. So we add ism to a word, and that implies we're, we're making that word a noun, and it implies a practice or a system or doctrine. So basically, consumerism. It's a system of wasting. It's a system of wasting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the practice of wearing down. Is a system or practice of wearing down. Yes. That using is using up. Using up. That squandering. Feels, feels so positive. <laughs> hey, it's great so. to be here with exhausting. you all. Exhausting. <laughs> this is exhausting, right? So that is where the word consumerism comes from. Wow. Yeah. All right. So that's the word of it. That's the word. So then where does this practice stem from? Where is where does it come from? So uh, originally, one of the first like forms of consumerism was during World War One, but some of my research said that it didn't really start in America until the 1920s, and it wasn't really a general idea until mm-hmm. then. But I have also heard some things that kind of contradict that. I think it started way back in like 1700s. Yeah. People, when they received income, they were receiving more than they needed because obviously when when society and like civilization was kind of building upon itself, you just bought things that you needed. You bought right. a sponge, you bought a pan, but then you had so much extra money, people started, you know, buying two Spare, pans too. Yeah. Yeah. and two sponges. The GD the gross domestic product as that raises people have more money to spend on superfluous things exactly and so but the interesting thing is typical people didn't really own anything yeah people typically owned this lovely yellow sweater that you have on right hey. now <laughs> and, and that is probably what you wore every day right and we owned maybe a tool or two we didn't really own anything yeah. and then We started to be able to, because of what Zoe's saying, and we would start to spend more, which then kind of led to this cyclical economy thing where people could hire more people. You know, it's that kind of cycle, right? Yeah. Exactly. And And then then instead of this one yellow sweater, now I have this sweater in 10 different colors. Yes. And that's a whole thing in itself, like how different companies, like especially the fashion industry, Mm -hmm. how they have taken the idea of, well, now people want two sweaters. They have built upon that and created, well, if you have two sweaters that look like this, you also need a sweater that looks exactly like your yellow sweater, but it has feathers on it. And it's $10 more just because it has feathers on it. Exactly. Don't you want it? Don't you love it? I do. And and (laughs) even if you talk about shape and form of things, you know, they changed the style and look of cars. Yeah. And sometimes they made them make them harder edges or they round things out mm-hmm. so that they can give you the new stuff, make you want to have that new one so your other one looks out yeah. of fashion. Like, oh, look cars at that boxy actually... car. I need a rounded one. <laughs> <laughs> it's sleek. I'm still waiting for the one that flies. That's the, the right. That feels scary. And weren't we supposed to have the hoverboard by now? We but were. Can Back I to the just, future lied to us. I mean, we kind of do. Yeah. It just doesn't actually hover. No, the hover. It's uh, it's wheels. If you close your eyes, <laughs> it's wheels, and they touch the of, ground. It's if more like a leaning board. You, you lean and you go. And if you jump off of a, a step, 
you're hovering for a little bit. <laughs> As you right plummet yeah. to the earth. Yeah. <laughs> but talking about cars a little bit, they were actually one of the products that really started the like American consumerism mm. right after World War II. So after World War II, you know, the economy is finally like a working system again. And so people coming back from war want to start buying things mm. for their families and for their homes mm-hmm. because, you know, cultivating that sense of home was really, really important after there was no sense of home for the war mm-hmm. and also during, you know, the depression. So cars were cars, TVs, and home products like cleaning products and like washer dryers and that sort of thing were like some of the home appliances and Tupperware. They were some of the things that people were buying and those were those superfluous purposes uh, purchases because peop- Americans could kind of convince themselves that they weren't being overly decadent because they were buying for their families and for their homes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it, and it, and it provided happiness. Those objects yes. provided happiness. Sure so. lived happiness. <laughs> you know, interesting fact, they, they've done research and, and the more things you consume, you would think the happier a person is, but there's, there's a ceiling to it. Mm -hmm. Like you can actually just, you get what you need. And once you get the things to sustain life, the happiness does not actually grow the more you actually can consume. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense, but I don't want to believe it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it makes sense, but it's also like, there is, there is a science to them making you believe that. You know, to to making you, which we kind of talked about, to making advertising, you think, yeah. the advertising. There's yeah. actually this um thing called marketing. Well, marketing <laughs> psychology. There's this thing called marketing. <laughs> yeah. But marketing mm-hmm. psychology, which attempts to understand the way that consumers are feeling. Yeah. Right. Like uh, the way that consumers think, feel, reason, and make decisions, and convincing you that this thing is exactly what you need exactly in this moment. Yeah, that, really that's someone's job. Yes, that right. is someone's it's job. It's many people's job. Yeah. It used, I used to be to my wife's job. Mar- I used to work in marketing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And it's insane how much we look at just to like, like they're the, the audiences of certain things can be broken down into just like uh, so many different avenues and mm-hmm. areas. And so appealing to you know this real niche market of people takes a lot of thought and process to get them to finally be like you know what yes i will do this now for me it doesn't take a lot (laughs) 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 like if i'm walking in the mall with somebody i usually have them walk on the outside of me or the inside, like wherever the people who are trying to sell you stuff, you know, like, you know, oh, the people who are standing okay. in the malls. Spraying um, you with cologne. Yes. I have to kind of stand away from them on the other side. Because, because you'd buy it. You I can't will say stop. no as we Right, as because we they want to talk to me. I watched a video one time, like years and years ago, and I just remembered about this. It was about shopper theory, and it was about how grocery stores are organized to make people spend more. Oh, yeah. So every time I'm in grocery stores and my mom gets a cart when we're just going for one thing, I'm like, mom, shopper theory, get a basket. Because if you buy, a, if you get a cart, then you're going to want to fill up that car with all the mm-hmm. wonderful things that they can sell yeah, you. Yeah, well, I, I worked at Old Navy for a long time when I, I could was see a young this. Per- could you see it? <laughs> yeah. I was fantastic at it at Christmas time. They would give me a ladder when all the lines were really long and put me at the front of the store <laughs> on top of the ladder to entertain people. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? I'm not even kidding oh you. Oh, my gosh. While they were waiting in the long lines to pay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
come to Old Navy see Dominic say some funny bits. Can you please, like, what, what, defined entertain? Well, I would just have conversations with people, and I would, like, make fun of people a little bit. (laughs) And I would joke around with some kids. Yes, like, improvise a solo (laughs) show in the front of Old Navy to keep them from realizing they were in a long line so they'd actually continue to buy all They'd be like, man, that was just the greatest shopping experience. Yes. But what we would do, so when I worked there, you had the first thing you wanted to make sure is everyone had one of those blue mesh bags. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, I think they have carts now or something. I don't even know if they have those mesh bags anymore. Because those if carts. you gave someone a blue mesh bag, it's more room to put stuff in. They do that at Bath and Body Works. They go, would right? you like a bag? And I yeah. say, no. Mm-mm. Because I'm just here to smell. Stop putting Chloe gives them a stank look. Yeah. If, you, if you don't have any, if you run out of arm space, you're going to stop and you're going to walk out. Right. Yeah. Nope, give them that. Give mm. them more. They also rearrange grocery stores very frequently, and that's to make you search for the thing you want, and then you'll see, oh, I want to buy this, I want to buy this. Also, well, you, and the, the kids' st- cereals and things are, are on often the bottom shelf. marketing to those children. Yeah, yeah, and not even just like for kids. Like all the more expensive name brand items are placed on the shelves at eye level because mm-hmm. when you're walking through a store, your mind is focused on what you need, and then they add the things that you don't necessarily need, but the ones that are bright colors and name brands and oh I saw this in a commercial and it makes the consumer want to buy it yeah probably makes them feel something yeah yeah when they see that and they 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 are there are six six tips for better for marketing Mm. six psychological tips that people um often use do you want me to tell you what they are I was just gonna leave it at that like hey there's six tips (laughs) there's six moving on and then moving on don't even tell yeah (laughs) right and a a lot of the things we've been talking about one people are impulsive Mm. right so in the grocery store if you're waiting in line or even in old navy now they've been putting all those little things at the front Mm -hmm. where it's like oh I'm standing here waiting look at this delicious little piece of candy like and it's it's purple yeah, Let me grab they, it. They have candy up at I the front, her. right? Can I yes. just tell you? I'm checking out one time, and mm-hmm. my son is two or something, a year and a half, very, very small. And we had one of those cars. You know, it was a cart with a car in the front, and so he was really low. Mm-hmm. I check out, and I get everything, and we get out to the car, and he had grabbed at some point a, <laughs> a package of Rolos <laughs> and had devoured that. He had chocolate all over his face. <laughs> oh, and I didn't know till I got out. I had to go back in and pay for the Rolos. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so, yes, they put <laughs> that That feeling there. is real. <laughs> yeah. They put that so your children will right? see it. Make you and, like, and throw a fit if you're saying no to that, right? Uh, two and three kind of go together. A picture is worth a thousand words, so... Having pretty mm-hmm. things, right? Having it look be appealing to the eye, yeah. but also mm-hmm. color psychology. There are mm-hmm. certain colors that are going to appeal to your mood and to your emotions a little bit more. So how yeah. I'm feeling, the color might depend. If I need this product, yep. you know I might be feeling this way. And so I'm going to make this product this color. Yep. It's all about the words too, right? Yep. So the pants exactly. mightier than the sword, sword. Certain words are really going to appeal to you authentic right like the power of yes if you can get somebody to say yes for a little thing they're going to be more likely to say yes as you are like well let's add this and we know from our last episode that jenna only has one good no in her one good no only one (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought later there were some things in that story that I didn't share. <laughs> well, perhaps that, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, it's probably going. a good thing. Okay, and then the last one, which again, we've talked about our decisions are emotional. So mm-hmm. really playing to that emotion of the person, like bringing that out, trying to find yeah. uh, an emotional response in somebody. Wow. So this is how you get people to buy things. Yeah. Right? So once once you're hooked on something, let's say, you buy it, how do you, I mean, because in order to keep going with what we talked about and that cycle of growing and growing mm-hmm. and buying and growing and buying and more and more and more, you would have to rebuy from a company over and over again. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Right? So there's dependency on those companies. Yeah. Companies have to make their things become obsolete. Oh my gosh, it drives me crazy when they do that. Like iPhones, yeah. Do you know, so have you heard of the term planned obsolescence? Oh, I don't know, but I like that phrase. Say it again. It's called (laughs) planned obsolescence. And this goes back to the advent of electricity. Oh. Okay, so (laughs) is this going to surprise you if I were to tell you that there is a light bulb that is a hundred and fifty over a hundred and fifteen years old and still works. Ooh, does and nobody touch it? It's not an you? LED. It it's got the things. Zuzuts. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. We're just yeah, gonna call it. It's it. got the zuzuts. So it's in Livermore, California. In fact, you can go on and see it. You could just Google okay, Livermore, California, and they've got images of it. Clack it on and, my it and the webcam refreshes every thirty seconds. What? Okay? Yeah. I already forgot what it was called. Uh, a light bulb? <laughs> no, I know what that word is. <laughs> Where is it? What am I Googling? It's Livermore, in Livermore, California. Oh, the Centennial light bulb. There it is. So, and it's at a it's at a fire station. It's it's dim, but it is still lit. So, back way back when, electric companies provided light bulbs. There it goes. Okay, and so yep, there's the light bulb. Yeah. Right. So they provided the oh. light bulbs. So they wanted light bulbs to last as long as possible. I love that this is a live feed of it. <laughs> I love it, it too. It, it says <laughs> at 1.23 p.m., <laughs> right? So they wanted the light bulbs to last as long as possible. So they didn't have to, you know, someone didn't have to go out to the houses and rechange light bulbs. Well, then everything kind of shifts, right? And now light, electric companies aren't providing you with the product. And so what do they want to do? They want to make the light bulb not last as long. Right. How dare they? And so you that buy you more have to continue to buy more and more of it. I have to give it to these companies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so evil, but so clever. I know, it's yeah. so frustrating. I was just thinking, like, we could have had a light bulb. Just living in, mm-hmm. I could have been friends with this light bulb, just, like, grew up with this <laughs> light bulb. And now you took away that relationship from you me. Did. You did. <laughs> Could so have been light bulb buddies. It, it gets right? worse than that, though, because these Ugh. the companies actually like intentionally collaborated on it to do this. So you had it was a worldwide manufacture thing. So uh, Germany, there was a company. The United Kingdom had a company, and then General Electric from the United States, and they all colluded to artificially reduce a bulb's lifetime to one thousand hours. Hey, Friedrich, wow. Friedrich, you know what? That light bulb you made too good. It's too good. You gotta like, Uh, but I aim for uh, uh, calm it down. Great, I make great things over here. Yeah, you need to simmer that down a little bit. I can't do that. But you won't make great money, Friedrich, will you? (laughs) Yeah, make it last like a year. Okay, 
One so year. they didn't actually find out about this till decades later. <laughs> with, and it was that actually journalistic investigations that uncovered all of this. So, it, so isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. Yeah. That light bulb is one of the first things that they started to plan to become obsolete. It, it happens with other things as well. And if we think about it in different ways, kind of like we we touched on already. So General Motors and Ford in the 1920s, they did something similar with the model year and creating a new model year so that you had to have right. the new the thing. The model. Mm-hmm. It's just really a way to get you to buy it again. It has, there's other ways that they, they do it too. So they, they make it so that the parts are more brittle and will break. They also do it so that the repair costs are more than just replacing the item Mm -hmm. and with those aesthetic upgrades as well. Mm -hmm. So versions that are becoming less desirable or aesthetically pleasing to you. Mm. I will say something being pretty is much more incentive for me to buy it. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a simple girl. I like frills and pink and pretty. Yeah. I will definitely go for something that's that's pretty. I'm wearing yeah. frilly socks right now. <laughs> I do not own any white socks at all. They are all like of a color. Oh, no, me too. My, my socks are all like yeah. patterns, colors, because they've, and I always get the new model year in socks too. Can so I, to mm-hmm. some degree, I think like buying things just for the sake of them being pretty and fun isn't inherently bad because I mean, <laughs> if I want to eat some cake, I'm glad cake exists. I'm glad we don't all have to eat I nutritional it, mush. I'd prefer pie. I think pie, it's just but... the overindulgence of those Absolutely. products. Yeah. That is the bad so that, thing. Yeah, I would agree. So, but then what's the balance for these things and, and these companies and how they're doing business? Because here's another one. This is this source is Guile Slade, and he wrote a made to break technology. And he cites how there are microchips and light sensors or batteries that can disable a cartridge before all of the ink in your printer is gone, making you have to buy more cartridges. Whoa. And printer ink is so expensive. It's artificially so. And you have to replace it all the time. You know, with with printers, they actually charge you, they lose money on the printer itself on typical ones. There there is a a brand that has one where they charge you for the actual and then it's Mm -hmm. different. But most of the time they lose money on the printer and the ink, they they get you, they just rack that up so Mm. high on that thing and then They've got a chip inside of it, according to Guile Slade, mm-hmm. where it stops. You don't even get to use all your ink. Do you ever, w- with your printer, like, <laughs> you probably, this is probably not okay to do, mm-hmm. but add, like, water to it to try to get it <laughs> to keep printing more? Um, like, I, 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 I can't say that I've ever done that. What? <laughs> you ever just, like, take the cartridge out, just add some dabs of water, be like, I know there's ink in there, and you're going to feel this water, and you're going to come back to life. Ink. Does that work? I'm going to say yes, but probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I like to believe that it does. So I I was kind of giving that planned obsolescence a little hard time just there. But can we think of any times where that might be acceptable? Planned obsolescence? Yeah. I really just wanted to say it. Yes, I'm glad you did. You said it quite well. Planned (laughs) obsolescence. So I I think it comes down to a, a factor of price. And how long something lasts. Okay. Right. So the example they give here is children's clothes. Oh. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So a child's clothes who, you know, maybe they're four or five years old. And do you need to pay the extra money for the clothes to last for a certain period of time 
when chances are they'll outgrow it anyway. They will outgrow those clothes yeah. before that time comes. I mean, I guess if you have a family of oh, I don't know, four children. Oh my that gosh, might who be- has four children? <laughs> Oh, you do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you want to use those clothes for other kids too. But that is that is one of them. Well, um, also, I mm-hmm. think I don't know if it's intentional obsolescence, but the fast fashion industry is really interesting. Yeah. In its you know sense of it making fashion that's cheap to produce, but then wears down super super quickly. So that's like you know people have to buy an insane amount of clothing because it you know wears down so fast, and then it just goes straight into landfills, and that's one of the biggest contributors to like huge environmental issues right now yeah yeah Yeah. zoe and i know all about this topic i love fashion (laughs) even though it's bad sometimes she's an environmentalist and a fashionista it's true (laughs) so the other thing (laughs) he's ever so sincere oh wow so (laughs) moving on (laughs) the other thing that could be said for planned obsolescence is that it leads to an increase in our developments or our abilities to develop new technologies and new things. I was just right? thinking that. that I was sense. thinking like it probably does help with creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Innovation. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, innovation. And, and so people have to create new products and new things to yeah. make our lives easier and better as well. Yeah, it's like forced productivity. So, but, yeah. but, but the question then is, is there a way to do those things in a way which is not as wasteful to our world? Because it's a let's very go, good question. If we go back to that definition that you talked about, use up, expend, swallow, exhaust, wear down, that is what we're going to do to this planet. Oh, yeah. We are yeah. currently wearing it down. We are baby. consuming it. So we... We've almost we've got to find a way to lessen that a little bit. There are some interesting things that some companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Like what? Look at the cell phones, for example. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> sorry. Do you remember flip phones you, or oh the Zach Morris gosh. phone? Which no, one? No, no, no. Flip phones were the. I had a brick phone and I had a flip phone. They were both fabulous. <laughs> My brother had one of the ones where the keyboard pops at the bottom. You like yes, slide it. The slider. Oh yeah. yeah, those are all great. I wanted so one fancy. so bad because they were on Disney Channel and all the like. In, on Shake It Up with Zendaya. I love that show. <laughs> Zendaya had a little slidey phone. cheap now. I, uh, I have some of those. That's so I have a couple for props. I could bedazzle it just like Zendaya's on you Shake could. It Up. <laughs> Do you remember how the battery used to last for like a suit? Like you hardly ever had to recharge it. Yes. Uh, like four days. Yeah. That's Great. impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My phone makes it 16 hours. Right. Right. Well, that's, Mine that's makes it two days, actually. So... So yeah. So phones, right? Phones. You get the phone, and then you got to get rid of the entire phone in most cases to get a new phone. Mm-hmm. Well, Google they are developing a smartphone that has six slots for swapping out technology. Oh, okay. interesting. For outdated components, so you can mm-hmm. you've got your phone, right? I'm holding up a phone for anyone who can see <laughs> me, which is nobody except just us three. It. You've got your phone and then you've got like six compartments on here that you just boop, take out the technology that runs that and put in the new technology there or put in the new phone technology in this location or the uh, camera technology there. Interesting. So the the only thing that's wasteful is that little chip part. Yeah, because essentially like all phone designs are kind of the same. Yeah, they're they're similar. They're this bricky thing, right? Just a bricky thing. I mean, yeah, like it's. I mean, obviously you have your different like sizes and shapes, but it's all just kind of like a rec- 
rectangle screen. And, and they're going to change the size and shape in the new model year so that you want to buy a triangular shape. I was just going to say a triangular one. Victoria's pair. Well, I mean, they do that, though. Oh, they, yes. What is it? There's a company out there that now has a folding. Yeah. Uh, that is a Samsung. 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 Yeah. And then they had the, those curved TVs for a while yeah. to get yeah. you to buy the new TV that's curved instead of flat. And I'm, nice I'm not going to lie. It kind of, The flip one kind of worked on me or, or almost worked on me because just... That sensation of closing a phone. So fun. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. Whoa, that was a nice. That was good. Yeah. Let's talk about cars now good. as well then in <laughs> this instance. So they, uh, they reference here Tesla and Tesla is finding ways to take their spent batteries from the client's cars and repurpose them for home energy storage. That's mm. really good because I looked into a little bit like electric cars because, yeah. you know, gas is not great for the environment. Oh my God. So also, it's expensive. It's right super now. expensive. <laughs> but, you know, the issue with electric cars is that once their batteries are done, then they're just like these huge, like you don't, you can't do anything with them and they all go to landfills and that kind of thing. And that's the main drawback, or so I understand it, of electric cars so that they're yeah. repurposing them. That's really, really good. Yeah. The other interesting thing about Tesla is that in order to get the new uh, operating system or the new software for the Tesla, it is just downloaded into your car. You don't have to buy an entirely new car mm -hmm. to get the new features of it. That's great, yeah. So that is... It, it'll update your car like your phone just automatically updates? Yes, that's exactly correct. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. It just updates. <laughs> So you Bing. get you get out of your car one day, the next day you get in your car and you have no clue how to drive. You're right. You go to start it and it's like oh, halfway no. through update. You're like, no. So that's that's kind of a bit about planned obsolescence. That's interesting. And uh, and that kind of thing. That's yeah. very interesting. There was there there was something I was reading where it was talking about ways to kind of overcome that planned obsolescence. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a couple that kind of stuck out to me and they said, ha A, have good stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. If you have nice. good stuff to start off with, right. That's gonna, you know, start you off like in a good spot. Um, like quality furniture. Like, like when you go to buy furniture, right. buy furniture that's going to last and it's not going to collapse yep. in. And then make repair and maintenance part of your routine and mm. your budget yeah. so that you're working to keep that <gasps> lasting longer. Mm -hmm. You have a story? Yes. Okay. <laughs> story time. So, my house once caught on fire. Oh my god! No, it was Zoe's house story. <laughs> my goodness, I'm pretty sure you have. It's oh, okay. it's not as dramatic is, as it sounds. Is this how the ghost came to be in the house? No, this is a different house. Oh, okay. It's a different house. house. I, yes, um, and I can't remember if I've shared the story, but we once had a. So when we moved into a house here in Illinois, uh -huh. the old owners kept the, or we kept the old owner's washer and dryer. Oh, I do remember this. I was like, is yes. this the dryer story? It yeah. is the dryer story. <laughs> and we just didn't, we never cleaned the dryer. Oh, we were you just like, clean it. No, yeah. like, I mean, like the screen that we pulled out, like we cleaned yeah. the, the lint and stuff, but we never like, no, like actually took our time. In the wall. No, we cleaned that. I'm oh, talking okay. about like just like around it, like regular maintenance okay. type stuff. Uh -huh. okay. I guess technically the vent is regular maintenance, but like we didn't take care of it or 
do anything to like protect it and maintenance was not a part of our routine mm-hmm. and long story short it caught on fire wow. that was scary we had to completely get rid of the dryer it like left marks on the wall it was wow. super super scary because obviously all our clothes are in there so we're like oh the house is gonna burn down but it really wasn't as big of a deal as it sounds <laughs> but i mean and yeah just a fire exactly but because it <laughs> <laughs> exactly chloe but no because because our dryer caught on fire we had to go buy another dryer instead of just taking care of the good working dryer we already had right and that one ends up in a landfill exactly right yeah interesting go ahead go ahead oh yeah no and i don't have to share a lot of them but like those were a couple of things like caring for it those you know maintenance or routine repairs um, passing it on, right? If you've got something mm, good, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe if you do get something else, passing that on to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, where's the other one? I like that. That reminds me of how, like, I mean, I'm I keep coming back to fashion and its environmental drawbacks, but thrifting has become a huge thing right oh, now, and that's so that's great. This entire said. thing I'm wearing right now is thrifting. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing they were saying on here is to like you know do thrifting, look at that kind of stuff. Right. You can upcycle, decorations, right? And things oh, like yeah. That, you yeah. Know? They also said stuff is just like food too much of a good thing causes problems so reduce that empty stuff calories by buying less and choosing carefully so does anyone mm. yeah where do we feel we must have the things comes from and do you think if we knew what some of this consumption is doing to our home that would change what we thought and how we acted or do you think it's just completely outside of our realm of understanding to comprehend what's happening to, I don't know, say the earth. Just on a personal level, I have an understanding of what consumerism and materialism yeah. does to our planet, mm-hmm. but I still like to buy like nice things for my walls and like little things for my friends and or for myself. You know, it's I think part of it is it's hard to visualize the impact that yeah. it, it has on the planet because it's just such a grand thing that we can't really see. Mm-hmm. So that might be part of it, but also part of it I think is just buying things makes us happy in a small small way and we're all just looking for that small sort of happiness we're yeah, all chasing ha- after. happiness yeah. is uh, to it goes back to uh christmas oh yeah so th- it is said that you know the with the invention of black friday as this fake holiday and um and these department stores coming out with all these ads. You need this and you need this and the happiness for the holidays. And uh, Christmas is America. It is our consumerism to its utmost. Yeah. And, and we're consuming yeah. so much there. They started transitioning all these ads to us finding happiness in buying this stuff. Us expressing love by buying these things for people. Yeah, gift giving is a whole love language. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that is, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. Where does it? Where does that advertising go to? Just the adults? No. 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 It's everywhere now. Everywhere. Yeah. Kids, Children. We especially. talked about how there's, you know, sugary cereals on the bottom shelf. And we were talking about this a little bit before recording about um, YouTube and how, mm-hmm. you know, advertising to children is rampant on sites where regulation is really difficult. So there's creations of like YouTube kids, which is really great. And that has more specific rules and regulations for advertising to children mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And which- not even just YouTube. Like I remember always being fascinated by this. Um, 
we did not have cable, but my grandparents had cable. And when I would go to my grandparents' house, they always had um, like baseball or the news or something on. And we would get those ads and we would see those ads. And then we would change the channel to Disney Channel, obviously, because we're children. And we're not going right. to watch the news. Right. And the ads were so different <laughs> as like I I was still able to identify like the difference mm-hmm. between them. It's because they're so like specifically tailored yeah. to the age group and like every like tiny little thing. Yep. Like if you like this show on Disney Channel, oh, here's a couple ads that are based off of this show that are going to get the kids to tell their parents. You didn't you didn't always you weren't always able to do that in the advertising industry. It no. wasn't until Ronald Reagan and when he deregulated the um the the advertising industry that in the 80s they were then able to market to children. Yeah. Right. Like the ads could be specifically geared and targeting children. That's the first time that that actually happened, and the child became a consumer yep. in the eyes of mm-hmm. things. And now you fast forward, and basically there are YouTube shows which are just ways to get children to consume yeah. a toy. Yeah. They walk into the, the house, and they've got this the toy, things. and all they do is mm-hmm. play with this toy for yep. Seven minutes in this YouTube show and unboxing videos. There's whole genres of YouTube channels that are just unboxing toys and looking at toys and being like, "Look, kids!" Which like like, blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One of the biggest YouTube channels I watched a video about advertising to children on YouTube specifically a while Uh ago. I love video essays. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I watched a video about this channel called Ryan's World, and it's just this little boy who unboxes toys. Yes, huge. And he's he's a millionaire for doing it. He's got his. I mean, his. He's got his face on different toys that mm-hmm. says yeah. like Ryan's yeah. world approved or and he's yeah. like five. But like here's Ryan opening his own Ryan toys. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I need to sit down and open toys. Exactly. You do. Oh. You that's, do. that's what we should do. Because <laughs> if you do, That'll you'll be, be happy. <laughs> It'll yes. make me happy. Until a new model year comes out and then you won't be happy you anymore. You won't be happy anymore. Mm-hmm. It's my little pony generation. consume that. It is fleeting. So what is... What is all of this consumption, this consumerism, what does it do to the world we live in? Well, are we, like physical, like Yeah, like to the to the planet. Not good things. What yeah. what does it do? It's such a difficult cycle because mm-hmm. the creation of the products creates It's everywhere. Um, it, you're consuming it, more than you think you're consuming when oh, it's yeah. just the product. You exactly. Purchase. It releases like gases into the atmosphere and then the going to the store to buy the to buy the product, the gas from the yeah. car, and then the when you're done um, unboxing it, you throw away the plastic and the cardboard. And then when you're done in a couple of years with the toy per se, that goes either to a thrift store where it's like used secondhand. Yeah. But eventually it's going to end up in a landfill where like over however many years it takes plastic and all of that to decompose, like that's just going to sit there and rot and the pile is going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And there's really no positive to it. So I've got some statistics here. Does that surprise you? No. Hmm. So there are, so in 2017, there were 3.5 billion consumers. Okay. That's a lot. That's many. By 2030, It's anticipated to be 5.6 billion. It's even more many. Okay. And if everyone lived like Western consumers do, we would need five planets to support us. So are yeah, we starting? Scary. Are we going to move scary. to different planets? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Right? We're colonizing the moon. Yeah, or Mars, <laughs> like right? At that point. 
Um, Realistically, like that is terrifying. It, it is absolutely yeah. terrifying. So the way we are as consumers is just it's not sustainable. So mm-hmm. when you take into account the natural resources, the pollution of the earth, we have we are currently overusing Earth's natural resources with more than 70 percent. 5.2 planets it would take to support us. Oh, man. The number is three planets if everyone lived like the average Japanese and 3.3 if we lived like the average European. Okay. Okay. So we are consuming more than the rest of the world. Here's another one. If the Earth, if the Earth's history was one calendar year, we exist, human, humanity, for 37 minutes in that one calendar year. But we've, util, we've used a third of the Earth's resources already. In those 37 minutes? In those minutes. 37 minutes. Yeah. Wow. I think I've also, because I've heard this before, I think in the last like 17 seconds is like time where there was electricity or something like that. And really that is the point when we've been using most of the Earth's yes. resources. Yes. That's incredible. I haven't heard that. That kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. Yeah. Yes. According to NASA, at our current rate of deforestation, there will be no more re- uh, rainforests by the end of the century. Oh, that's sad. We're going to be facing massive water problems by yeah. 2040. I mean, we're already kind of facing yeah. water problems. So thinking about like yeah. 2040 is honestly not that far away. No. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it costs? Um, do you know what the cost of a meal is? You think just of, a general meal? You, you think, you know, you think, well, hey, it cost me eleven twenty-five to buy that meal, right? Mm-hmm. It costs way more than that. It costs 10 kilos of topsoil, 800 liters of water, 1.3 liters of diesel, 0.3 grams of pesticide, 3.5 kilos of carbon dioxide for one meal. Yeah, so we, we often <laughs> don't think about the resources that go into something simple like a meal. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked earlier, this is the reason I also asked the question about if we understand what consumerism and, and the world was like, if we would we would still consume the same way. Mm-hmm. Do we know that 7% of Americans think that we get chocolate milk directly from brown cows? They do Actually, not. Is that a real statistic? That is a real statistic. Wow. Come on, people. And in a study from the University of Arizona, the majority of urban consumers did not realize that meat, dairy, and fruit come from living things <laughs> that use natural resources to live and grow. Wow. So are we, oh, are we like educating people enough to understand I mean, let's be real. If somebody out there thinks that chocolate milk comes from a brown cow, then not no. people. Seven percent, <laughs> according to this, seven percent of people. Now we need. No, to, I we don't need know to. the ages or, or that kind of thing. Right? Zoe and I are both actually vegetarian, and I believe. Yeah. I mean, I'm. It's mostly for environment, environmental reasons for me, and mm-hmm. I believe it is for you also. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are definitely more conscious of that, but I know lots of people are not. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Also, it's to the point where are people even willing to learn about it? Like I'm sitting here right. and I already know everything about like this, not everything, but a majority of the Zoe statistics. Knows <laughs> she knows everything. I do. Welcome to yeah. our new podcast. <laughs> Zoe, Zoe knows, knows everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I meant in terms of like the statistics about the environment and all of that. Mm-hmm. But right. like sitting here and listening to you like say it out loud, it's scary. Yeah. And to people who aren't like willing to learn, I don't, 
like at that point there's no hope like we this entire episode we talked about how people are so focused on finding just like like those three seconds of happiness from purchasing a small thing why are people going to sit down and listen to you know a 20 minute conversation of what buying those that's a great three point seconds of happiness. can i ask this then and i ask this to the to everyone out there Maybe it's not about making them listen to those things, but maybe it's about not necessarily making them listen to other things that make them think they're not happy without that, or that we're putting out the proper information so that people can understand, make decisions, and make the you know, not consume or use things to their full life cycle instead Mm -hmm. of all of these things. There are things that companies bear the responsibility on Mm -hmm. in this as well. If we just look at, we've heard the term carbon footprint, right? Do we know though that the term carbon footprint was basically created by BP oil so they could turn around and blame humanity for not making the right decisions yeah. and being irresponsible. Companies need to bear that responsibility. Why are oil companies not tasked with finding renewable uh, resources to make things and and coming up with inventive and creative solutions so that we don't consume our way out of this earth? Why is it that that is okay, that we are going to use this place up and there's going to be nothing left. We are going to consume the globe. That is where we are. There are ways to create energy. Our earth consumes 3,850 billion terajoules of energy from the sun. Globally, we use 0.57 billion. That is just 0.015% of the amount of energy striking us every day from the sun. And we don't use it. We don't use it. The sun could basically power the earth for a year in 80 minutes if we could harness all of that. Imagine not only as our population grows, the consumers, the amount of consumers grow, but imagine the amounts of energy we don't even know yet that we are going to consume. We need to reduce consumption and it's not entirely about us. The corporations need to be a part of that. For every 1% of growth in that GDP that you talked about earlier, That leads us to between 0.5 and 0.8% increase in carbon emissions. Every 1% that our GDP grows, that raises carbon emissions between 0.5 and 0.8%. In a system where we are measuring our worth based on a GDP and a consumerism society, we are measuring our worth in a way that will cause us to be extinct. If we don't do something about it. If. We don't do something about it, but we can. And I think that's one of the most encouraging things is that in the past so many years, I think people really have, I mean, a lot of people are not and still need to, but I think a lot of people and companies have really been working to try to help this. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's that's so encouraging to see. Obviously, we still have a long way to go, but seeing people who are making strides really kind of helps build that community of, hey, we care about where we are and where we're living and we need to do something about it. Yeah, I agree. 
Way to leave it on a positive note, Jenna. You know me. <laughs> so positive. <laughs> Once again, very interesting topic topic to discuss. Mm-hmm. I am Dominic. I'm Jenna. I am Zoe. And I'm Chloe. And we can't wait for you to hear us again next month. Woo-hoo. Where our word is. Drum roll. Ostracize. That's right. Friends, thank you for joining us. We will see you next month. One Word is a production of BFAC On Air.